Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Welcome to Elijah Streams. It's Friday, the 3rd of November, 2023. Although you'll see behind me, we're recording this the day before. It is Thursday right now, 2.33 p.m. You'll see this at 11 o'clock p.m. Pacific tomorrow morning. Or in the case of when you're watching it, hope you're having a good day. <laughs> However we say that. Past, uh, present, future always gets messed up with me in the afternoon. Anyway, welcome to the broadcast. We're, we're going to, I'm excited to bring on Jenny Donnelly in here in just a few moments to talk about she, the things she and Lou Engel are doing regarding the million women, the one million women. Okay, that's what they're calling it, the one organization. So it's going to be great to hear the whole story. It's very, looks fascinating to me. So we'll bring her on. Um, a quick reminder that Johnny Enlow will be with us on Monday. Um, so when uh, he had talked, by the way, this Monday, I wasn't here because I was flying back from Alabama with Robin Bullock. So he had talked a little bit about the the one the newer scandal that's coming to light, and he said he would like to um, cover that a little bit more on Monday. So, if you want to hear more about, I, I I watched the broadcast he did with Kelsey when I wasn't here. It was good, very very helpful. Uh, so we'll talk about that some more on Monday, and um, it's he's got an excellent perspective, um, really almost better than anyone I've heard. It's, it's just a very important perspective on what's going on. So you don't want to miss that if you can help it. So, all right, we're going to quickly remind you of the wells we're digging that you are digging for the, for God's people on the other side of the world in Africa. I think it's seven or eight countries now that we are, we have done the wells um, every three days. All right, let's go ahead and run that to well spot. Here we go with that. Jaja Zaina and her great grandchildren have gone their entire lives without clean water. They spend their days collecting dirty, unsafe water. They have been praying for a miracle, and that prayer has been answered. Because of your generosity, a water well has been drilled near Jaja Zana's home. Would you join us in providing clean water to the people of Uganda? Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. <laughs> Sometimes, depending on which video we show you, it's just so uh, hard to watch to see the dirty water that that uh, the people were helping that they where they get their water from. Uh, we are just offering such not just hope but life, abundant life when we can put fresh water wells right next to their homes in most cases. So, all right, I think that's it for now. It's time to bring in Jenny Donnelly. So here we go, with Jenny. Donnelly, nice to meet you finally. 
You too. Here. So happy to be here. It's so nice to have someone who is an Oregonian with an Oregon ministry. Is about time. Yes. I know there's a lot of great <laughs> ministries, uh, so I shouldn't act like there aren't. But you know, there's so much stuff going on, and you and I came through. We came through the COVID. We watched our city, especially Portland, being ransacked, and the police were seemed to just stand down and let it happen. So you kind of came through a lot of that. I want you to tell yeah. your story. I, I won't jump ahead on you, but I want to hear, because I saw in your notes that that uh, made an impact on you, and you asked God to step in. Uh, so I'll, <laughs> let me just do this, Jenny, because I know you're friends now with Lou Engel. I know you're going to do this Million Women uh, thing together. So rather than jump ahead, I want to hear your story today. I want to hear first how you got saved and what, you know, tell us about your life as we go into the story. I'm really interested in this. Sure. Well, it's really awesome to be here. So yes, my parents were actually saved in the Jesus movement. Well, they got married very, very young, had kids very young. And I remember the moment so crystal clear when they asked me, do you want to invite Jesus in your really? heart? And I was three years old. Yeah, and yeah well, if you had said that, I saw your notes. Are you you yeah. remember three? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I folded my little fingers. I was actually at my grandmother's house who she did not get saved until right before she died many, many years later. Um, but I was at her house and I remember the bedspread that I was leaning against and I folded my little fingers and thought, this is pretty amazing that a man that loves me now lives in my heart. I mean, it was like, that was whoa, it, you know? Whoa. And so I just knew he lived in my heart. Now, my parents at that point forward, you know, I didn't find out a lot till later, but their marriage went through a major rough time. They ended up splitting up. And so when I was five years old, my parents um, went separate ways and they got a divorce. And so I ended up living with my mom and she was just, she was an incredible single mother. Um, but both my parents had uh, got remarried and my mom married a professed atheist. Oh my. And yeah. And so um, my mom had her faith. Um, I don't know how that totally works, but what happened was, I was told Jesus isn't real from fourth grade all the way through. Jesus isn't real. God isn't real. Um, he was unfortunately an alcoholic. He was, um, oh you know, emotionally abusive and just had a lot of anger. I think my mom was so incredibly, you know, she was young, a divorced yeah. young single mom. And somebody came along and scooped her up and I'll take care of you and all that. Well, that marriage actually did end up ending when I um, got to, a senior in high school, but I did not have church that whole time. Now, here's the thing. I didn't believe a word he said because really? in my, mm -mm, oh no, 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 no. Because what in my heart, I knew that Jesus was a part of me. I did not know him. I didn't really know because I didn't have any discipleship. But when I got in college, I you know, I acquiesced into the scene. I ended up partying. I ended up just kind of throwing my life to the wind. And I woke up one morning in my apartment and it, this is the moment that saved my life. But what happened was I had complete hell in my body. It's the only way to describe it. Now I'd been out partying the night before and all the things, but there was a vacuum, a dark, 
hell hole in my soul and it went to infinity. There was, oh there was no bottom to it. And what I understand now is that the Lord in his mercy removed his, his presence from me. Um, what happened was I yelled out to my roommate. She was a spirit filled Christian. I yelled out for her. She came barging into the bedroom and she looked, took one look at me and said, I don't know how to help you. I'm sure I looked like complete hell. And you know, you can look like heaven in your body. Well, I had hell in my body. So when I saw my spirit filled Christian roommate can do nothing for me, I'm in big trouble. And I remember thinking, I don't want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to exist. I don't want to be here anymore. And it scared me so bad. I jolted out of the front door of my apartment and literally ran in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week to the closest church I remember seeing right off campus. And it happened to be a Nazarene church. Now this is in the nineties and it's not, and I was so desperate. It wasn't like I was on a website looking to see what their doctrine was, see if they have a good coffee bar. Like (laughs) Steve, I'm telling you, I was hanging over hell. That's the only way I can describe it. So I barged through the doors, um, freaked the secretary out and they rushed me into a room. It was like an ER situation. Okay. They rushed me into a room. This gentleman sits down. I'm sure he was one of the pastors. And he puts a cassette tape in because, you know, we're in the 90s. He puts a cassette tape in and he leaves the room. You know, at that point, I listened to this song and the song is about a father that lost the son, ran away. And the father is now looking for the son, finds the son, sees that the son is wrapped in chains And the father takes the chains and unwraps them. Now in the song, this is a 20 minute song. Okay. He's unwrapping the chains, unwrapping, unwrapping, unwrapping. And I get a breath and all that hell leaves my body. But here's what happens next in the song. The father takes the chains and wraps them around himself. And I broke and I, and I sobbed and I said, why, why are you doing that? Why would you do that? Why would you put what was inside of me on you? That's when I understood the cross and that was it. I was, I was done at that point. I would say that's where I got my life back. You know, I didn't turn on a dime. I still had so much wounding from a broken family. My mm-hmm. mom and dad actually went on to come back to the Lord. Pardon me for and, a yeah, You started know, telling that story in those chains and that thing, just the spirit just went, man. Yeah, I can Jeez. usually not tell it without crying. So I think you filled in yeah. for me on that one. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, really, it's really, really intense. And so my parents actually went on to um, recover. They got back with the Lord. They have different spouses now. Um, I wrote a letter to my um ex-stepdad that raised me and said, I forgive you for everything. And here's the gospel. You need to know this man, Jesus, um, because he's who you're looking for. And I was, because I was now being discipled, I could now, you know, do what I could, you know, I don't know whatever happened to him. Honestly, I haven't talked to him ever since, but my God took our whole family into this massive recovery. Um, I got filled with the Holy spirit. Um, uh, later on a little bit later and, um, I fell in love. I, and I've been, I've been in love ever since. I just, 
you know, I, I try to find other things to talk about than Jesus, but it's really hard. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I am that person. When you tell that story, I mean, I, th- I think I know what you're saying. You said God in his mercy removed his presence from yeah. you or something. I mean, to someone who just heard that story, who may say, well, Steve may understand what you're saying, but I don't understand what you're saying. How could he in mercy leave you? So what? T- talk about that for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I... I felt the presence of God ever since I asked him into my heart when I was three. And so I was, because of my wounding, my father wound, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know I had a father wound, but I was searching for somebody to want me. So all the partying, all the boys, that was only to fulfill what I didn't know I already had. I didn't know I already had it within me. So when God withdrew himself entirely from me, there was nothing in in that moment in time, no boy, no popularity, nothing, no achievement could ever fill what was now missing. And I knew it was the Lord. And here's what's crazy to me. One moment with Jesus at three years old trumped. Years and years and years and years of living with an atheist as my father Isn't figure. That, that is, that's, that's so profound. <laughs> three years old too. I mean, at, uh-huh. at three years old and you carried that. And, and I, I, it's not lost to me that here is an atheist doing his best to drum out of you mm-hmm. any possible remnant of belief in God. And you never believed him for a moment. Mm-hmm. No, no, I didn't believe him. I, I did know that I didn't know God yeah. fully, yeah. but there was no way that he wasn't real. So I was in that middle zone. I think a lot of Christians are there. They're in this middle spot where it's like, okay, I am a Christian. I know God. He touched me one time, but yet I still need to do these things to fulfill me that are not fulfilling, you know, and yeah. it's like that middle zone. And so when God in his mercy removed his spirit from me, the only thing I could do was run to Jesus. And I I had accepted Jesus in my heart, but I had never ran with full abandon into him. You see what I'm saying? And so that was the difference. And I mean, I'm certainly not perfect. I still had to like figure out how to, you know, be friends with people that wanted to drink and party. And I had to, I had to go through all of that. But um, I had I had the gospel in my in the fabric of my being. I understood that this man took everything from me. He he completely wiped my sin away. So yeah, That's so good. You know, I everyone's experiences. Now I was raised in the church, and I tell people on on this a lot. I was Seventh Day Adventist, so it was hardcore religion. I didn't know God, but I was baptized and I was an ordained elder in the church, but I didn't know the Lord. And then I went to a campus crusade for Christ. So I didn't have the crisis, but I had had an encounter one night in this campus crusade. That's very, 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 very conservative. And everything went into slow motion. John 10, 27, almost lifted off the page from my borrowed Bible. It wasn't marked. And uh, before the night was over, our friends, uh, Patrick and Claudia, who were there with us, 
she's kneeling, we're kneeling for prayer, and the Holy Spirit comes on her, and she's speaking in tongues under her breath at a campus crusade for Christ. Wow. And then days later, I'm at a McDonald's. It was kind of like a follow-up to that meeting, a different guy than the meeting, than the than the guy itself. But, it's, you know, so you say you've got the chain thing. You're telling that story. And this guy's doing, and people have made fun of this. He, this guy's giving me the four spiritual laws. Did you, did you ever see the four spiritual laws? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, so it was a, it's the thing, you know, the campus crusade for Christ and other people use it all over the world. Okay, little, little chintzy pamphlet, probably 10 little mini pages like this. And you say, and this, and he comes to the point where here's the cross and there's this chasm like a cliff. And, and the cross says the name Jesus on it. And I don't remember it exactly, but he says, and this, you read this thing, and then this Jesus became the way, and he tipped, and the tip, cross is tipped over across this. See, I mm. can feel this now, <laughs> this chasm. And people have made fun of the four spiritual laws because it's too simplistic. All I needed to see was that Jesus was the bridge. Yeah. That, you know, and. <laughs> powerful. It's funny because I can never tell when when this is just like today. You brought something today because um, this just hit me square on. But that that same thing, I suddenly understood the cross when there yeah. was a simple little drawing where Jesus became the bridge and the cross is. So isn't that amazing? I think we're coming into a time when these when you could have heard a thousand different stories. And this is for people watching, and then this one does it, or that story does wow. it. And, you know, when I, I missed the Jesus movement because I was in this religious environment, but they say that people that came to the Lord, and they would use this expression, it'd say, all you have to do, all you had to do back then is sneeze and someone would receive Christ. They just said, you know, tell me about that. Okay. You know, it was like, I, I, wow. I missed that. I, I, I'm sorry that I yeah. missed that. But you know what? That sweet, those two sweet events at Campus Crusade, no one's going to ever put down the four spiritual laws no. um, to me because it worked. So, well, talk wow. about what's it's next. Powerful. We've got great stories here. So um, tell, tell us what's next in your life then. After. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, got married and immediately God gave my husband and I a business and that's where we really learned how to um, start working with people, right? Yeah, and taking yeah. the kingdom principles and applying them. We got in a really great church in Portland, Oregon. We went to every single Bible class we could. I mean, wow. we were so hungry. And um, what we found out was that the kingdom of God um, applied to every part of our life. And so God began to really elevate us and in influence in business and we knew the hand of the Lord was on us, but um, it was kingdom principles that he was having us apply in leadership. And so we just devoured any type of kingdom leadership type of teaching. And then what happened was um, people, because we had a really large sales force, well, um, what had happened was we had a whole lot of people, a sales force of people that started really trusting us, you know, like they're, it's kind of like, hey, you know, when you help people in life, because that's really what business is, it's serving others for a mutual benefit, solving problems for a mutual yeah. benefit, and you start helping other people, they're like, okay, where are you going next? You know, and if I was going to the bars, that's where they'd be going. You know, they just wanted to follow the light, but I wasn't going to the bars. I was going to um, anything where the presence of God could be found. And so 
I just, I figured it out pretty quick that the reason that God gave us influence was to get people to him as quickly and as gracefully as possible. Um, So if they were in my house for a meeting um, and the meeting's over, you know, it's game on. It's like, you're getting a prophetic word. I'm praying for you. I'm going to find out more about you. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Um, you know, so what happened was now all of a sudden our house is full of 60, 70 people. We're doing Whoa. worship on YouTube and people are like, are you starting a church? And we're like, absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> you know, and so um, the Lord had to do a sneak attack on us because what happened was over the course of 20 years in business, this tsunami wave of ministry just it it just swept through and you know we're doing all night prayers at my house we're you know flying to random cities across the country because some girls want to get together over here and and i and i just kept telling god okay god i don't need another thing like please lord you know five kids um we did end up starting a church um people started handing us money for an offering as we went and ministered all around the country. And I, I was like, okay, no, you know, keep your money. This isn't a real thing. I'm just coming to give you Jesus, you know? And so somewhere along the way, the Lord talked me into, okay, Jenny, it's okay. This can be a formal thing. And I thought, okay, you know, cause I, I was really nervous about my own ability to, you know, have some kind of ministry structure. I was used to business, but I wasn't used to, you know, some type of organization and ministry. And so the Lord just had to inch me along. And what happened was we ended up forming a ministry called Tetelestai Ministries. And Tetelestai was the last word that Jesus said on the cross, John 19, oh, it 30. Is. It is yeah. finished? Is that what that yep. was? Wow. Mm-hmm. And wow. I just named I it that. I what that was. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I then named it that because I had a sign you, on the wall. Do you, mm-hmm. do you still have a church now? Do you have, are, you, are you pastors? We do. We do. We, okay. we planted this church in the midst of this. Um, and we planted it with another couple and so now they are the lead pastors and my husband and i really serve as an oversight and then the ministry you know that's separate from the church i mean it's the same you know but it's separate on paper um that ministry now going all over the nation so they're they're doing incredible job leading the church it's called the collective church in portland oregon yeah yep and we've been around for seven years so you know it's like it's just this I've got a prophetic word in 2011 and it was Jenny, um, God is going to start a prayer movement through you and it's going to be organic. Now, when I got that part, that was kind of the key word. Like, you know how God knows our language. That's when I went, okay, okay. If it's organic, I'll do it. But I, I could not. Like, with you're, like a, you're like a health sort yeah. of a person yeah. right you said yeah. something before we went on the air so that yeah. was your language because it was you know, yeah that makes and sense I, and it, yeah that it wasn't man-made yeah. and, and and god was like kind of like hey jenny what if it wasn't man-made what if it was just organic from the spirit yeah, that something could form and so he helped me with that by using that language and so i said yes to god in 2011 to this prophetic word of hundreds of thousands of people um being in a prayer movement um but it wasn't until you know many years later that things actually started taking root which i'll share that story here but so we just went all over the country we um you know i started calling it her voice because we ended up ministering about 90 percent of the people we minister are women and then what we found out is that women 
are with unresolved trauma, you know, we're just hurt and pain, just like I had, I had a father wound. I didn't know I had a father wound. I didn't know anything about that. But what we, what we found out was that women who have trauma that has not been dealt with by the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit can take care of this. The blood of Jesus is well capable of doing this, but we knew we had to set up encounter moments for people to experience that. But this is what we found out is that their ability to have a voice was attached to whether they were free or not inwardly from these traumas and these yeah, wounds. Very powerful. So if they're carrying trauma yeah. or wounds, I mean, trauma is one mm. word, but, but just deep wounds, rejection by a father. Deep wounds. Yep. Deep wounds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I had a desperate need to, or desire to be a bold woman. I had a, I, I had a lioness inside of me. Really? But when I, when I had a, a, a wounding and I was protecting myself from a father wound, okay, that prevented me from having a pure voice, a voice that God could be speaking out of. And so what happens from that is low self-esteem. You know, I had, I had majorly low self-esteem. I had massive self-hatred. Really? And so, and oh yeah. So that didn't get cleaned up till way after my moment, you know. Was your self-hatred based on, I mean, because you, we didn't get that many details in your, Mm -hmm. was it self-hatred because of hurtful things that had been said to you about you? So you, you believed a lie or why did you hate yourself? uh, Well, what's crazy about it is I didn't even realize I hated myself until, until I started getting in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And you know, you're, when you get in the presence of the Holy Spirit and you're like feeling this love and this, this, you know, how much God loves you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're, you contrast that with, wait a minute, I'm pretty mean to myself. Mm. Like, you know, it, and so I was just challenged by the way I used to think. Yeah. And then, um, but, you know, the Lord had to come in and say, ultimately, Jenny, I'm your father. And then I had to go through forgiveness of my own dad. Yeah, um, don't we, and, that's and, the deal. That's the yep, deal. I, I'm not going to get off on my story because this is your story, but it was the exact same thing. I had to okay. get, forgive my dad, and I didn't realize he had a father wound. Uh, and one day something happened. I said something, and the and avalanches of tears came out. And I, oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> I was carrying mountains of father wounds. But yeah, go, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, word. I was, yeah, I was pretty good at denial because. I loved my father. He was not mean to me a single moment in his life. Really? Um, so it wasn't like, I, I was like, in fact, I'd heard I needed to forgive him. And I'm thinking, why? Oh, well, okay. the, you know, and the Lord came back to me and he said, why don't we go visit that little eight-year-old girl that cried herself to sleep almost every night because she missed her dad because he wasn't there. Okay. Because I thought it had to be some like massive abuse or. Yeah crazy thing and i'm thinking no i have a very loving dad i mean he didn't live with me you know more than five years but he's amazing he's you know loving he's kind he never abused me so i had all these excuses and so until god put in front of me a little girl named jenny yeah and said how about we talk about what she needed at that time and then it was like you know here come the floodgates but yeah so i had to have some compassion for myself and I had to see myself the way God sees me, which is always, you know, the challenge for our true identity. But anyway, so 
you know, walking through this type of massive transformation in me, the only thing I've known to do my whole life since is to share it with others. Like, I can't not share this. This is, it's, it's, it's contagious. You know, it's, it just well, has to be shared. It's like the, um, if the testimony of Jesus in your life is a spirit of prophecy, is a testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So you tell the story of what Jesus did, and, he, and then he even shows you the identity. And this, and then you walk through the story, and people's lives are changed, changed, and yeah. it's happening right now while people are watching you. You're changing people's lives. God's changing. You know, okay. it's both in, yeah. but yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, um, I, I, I'll tell you this next part of the story, and it kind of gets into the million. Yeah. Um, so, in 2019, my husband and I got a phone call from our corporate headquarters, and they basically said, "You have eight weeks. It's going to be your last paycheck." And they went through a massive um, storm and the family um, of our founder, our founder had passed away. The family inherited the company and they decided they were tired of fighting whatever was going on legally. And so they settled. And in that settlement, it, the agreement was to take away our, um, our paycheck. So um, we got a phone call that said, you better figure it out. And so um, we sold our home. I sold everything down to the sheets on my bed, probably over liquidated. Um, but we had, you know, five kids that we were raising in our home. We had, you know, orphanages we were supporting. We were supporting our church. We had, we had been so blessed financially that we got to give extravagantly. And that's part of what my husband and I love to do. But suddenly things changed. And wow. um, I'm thinking, okay, what do we do next here? got a lot of offers for things, a lot of, you know, money flashing in front of us. And I just, I just know the voice of my shepherd. And I said, I'm, I'm not moving. We are not moving until I hear the voice of my Jesus. And so I got a, um, a text one day from a friend that lives in Alabama. And she said, Jenny, did you see this listing for this retreat center? That's only 30 minutes from your house in Portland. It's for sale. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure. Let's just go buy a couple million dollar property while we don't have any income. That sounds exactly <laughs> like God. And it was so like God that my spirit left. We went out and really? looked at it. And yeah. And, you know, because of time today, I can't tell you the miracle, but God miraculously got us into um, it's called Crestview Conference Center. And it has a history um, with the Foursquare Church um, that uh, thousands of kids have been filled with the Holy Spirit really? up on the mountain. Really? Yep. Yep. Up on which, so part of the mount, up which, which part of the mountain is it like West Hills? Is it like, uh, it's the, over, the, um, near Multnomah Falls. Over, over there. Outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, um, just up above Troutdale. Okay. And so, yep. So we're just, our front door is seven, seven, seven elevation. Nice. And, um, yeah. So what happened at that point was we ended up, um, doing a lot of our retreats that we were doing around the country. Now we'd had a place to host them. So we do intensives, we do equipping, we bring people in for a couple of days, help them hear the voice of God. Um, we do all different types of things. We've done um, writing intensives to, to help people publish their books and just all sorts of things. And so we're living out a, a really amazing dream and with a lot of faith. <laughs> you know? nice. Wow. So, um, so anyway, there I was in 2020, we had just purchased the retreat center and here comes COVID, and then here comes the destruction of Portland. And, you know, I, at that time I thought, okay, two weeks off, we're gonna do the mask thing, yeah, sure. We Sounds good, too. whatever. 
So we shut down our church, we shut everything down. And after a couple months, it was like, you know what, this is, this is not okay. Something's going on here. And so we opened up our gym at our retreat center. We have a, a basketball gym. Kids started coming from all over the Portland Metroplex because we were the only gymnasium, basketball gymnasium open. We fed them every Monday night. Now, mind you, I told God when we moved in there, no more kids. This is going to be equipping adults. Kids are expensive. They ruin stuff. They don't tithe. (laughs) Like, we're not doing this. I have five kids. I have enough kids. So God thought that was pretty funny and decided to send (laughs) for the next two years. We preached the gospel every Monday night, fed between 80 and 100 kids every single Monday night. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, they ended up forming a worship band out of it. Um, Massive crazy things happened out of that. But one of the things we found, Steve, was these kids started trusting us and confiding in us. And one of the things that we found is that many of these children, and the statistics are pretty accurate, one in five Gen Z and Alpha are tormented and identify as LGBTQ. One in five at that of that age group? Mm-hmm. Yep. And these are... I have I have personally one on one ministered to several kids who have been tormented. It's a spirit. They yeah. they actually don't want it. They're coming to us going they're trapped in it. It is it's a web, okay? And um Jesus has delivered every one of them because guess what? It's not hard for him. It's not hard. It's just it's just one more chain of many, right? But the confession when it came into the light um, through trusting, you know, and love. And we had to be so transparent. We found out that they would tell their stories and confess if we told ours. So this massive transparency culture started of what can Jesus do? You know, what, what, and so they felt safe, you know, coming to us. And, um, so we found out it's almost like the Lord took me and said, I'm going to expose you to what families are going through for the next two years. And you will not be able to ever be the same again. And that's what happened. And so these kids that I, that I and our team, I personally went, you know, ministered and they went ministered to, I cannot think of one of them that wasn't a Christian. This is what everybody has to understand. These kids are in your church. They in are words, in our These ch- are practicing God-loving Christians who are being yep. tortured with these and as in yes. to, to be specific, it's uh, girls w- uh, thinking they're boys and boys thinking they're really mm-hmm. girls, or is, how would you word? Um, mostly, what we dealt with was um, the trans uh, gender stuff didn't show up until about t- twenty twenty two. Okay. In twenty 2020 twenty and twenty one, it was mainly. Um, and I, I ministered mainly to girls, right? Okay. The boys were struggling with pornography, a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and some same-sex attraction. The girls also suffering with, with pornography as, as equally as the boys. But a lot really? of girls confided in me. Yeah, a lot of girls had relationships with other girls that were actually part of the youth group that was Gee. coming on Monday night. Wow. So we, we got to pull moms together. We got to pull families together. And we got to sort this out with Jesus, not intellectually, but with love and truth. And that's, it's just a simple recipe. Um, I would tell anybody out there that I think one of the things we have to understand as the church is this is really not harder to get free from than really? something else. Really? It, 
as long as the person ministering doesn't think it's this big giant, you know, I wasn't intimidated by it. When somebody, when a girl said to me, you know, seventh grade, I have a girlfriend, I, you know, her and I've been messing around. Then I say, okay, tell me more about that. You know, I'm not doing the shock factor. I'm not like, oh no, we have a major problem here. No, I move in like a mother, like a mother in Zion. And I move in I say, tell me more about that. Tell me how that makes you feel. What has Jesus been talking to you about? Okay. And then all of a sudden they're crying and I'm like, honey, guess what? You are so important. The types of things that they say in response to that question, uh, what do they say when you say, tell me how that makes you feel? What what might they be saying to you in response? Terrible. Terrible. They they hate it. Okay. I I don't have a single person that's ever said to me, "Well, I want to." So, I, I there wasn't really any rebellion. So it they're was not saying me. they're not saying, "Well, we're in love," and I I don't see anything wrong with it anymore. They're not mm-hmm. saying that. Whoa, okay. Not the Christian kids. No, they're right. coming. Going. I have a I have a chain around my ankle, and I I don't know how to get this off. Um. And so, you know, that was a phase for me that was really important because God would say in 2020, 2021, um, I was minding my own business. I think I was making my bed or something. I was on a phone call with somebody and I was just talking with them. And the Lord said to me out of the blue, he said, Jenny, you're going to gather a million women. It's a lot. And I was like, okay. Now, I wasn't excited about that because I don't know a million women. I mean, how do you even get started, right? Right, right. But I do know the voice of God and I know the voice of my Jesus. And I said, okay, great. You know, and I just moved on with my day. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell anybody. I just noted it. I didn't reject it. But I'm, I'm kind of an activator, strategic type of person. So there was nothing for me to do except for just say, okay, thank you for telling me that must be important. Then I went and traveled Mm -hmm. during, I went to a conference that a friend of mine held during COVID and it was a whole bunch of radical women um, Mm. that just said, we're going anyway, you know, during COVID. And there was 450 women that ended up in this room in Houston, Texas. And again, minding my own business and worship and right there from the front, Jenny, God is calling you to a gather a million women and it's for the mall in DC. And that's when I kind of started getting a little nauseous, okay? This because is how long, it went, when was this? When did you, what you just said right there, when, mm-hmm. when did that instruction come to you? 2020. 2020, okay. That was in 2020. And it was only a couple months or so after the Lord shared it with me privately. Okay. And so now the cat's out of the bag and all these people heard it, right? And so um, I'm thinking, okay, well, wow, I guess that was not a figment of my imagination. I guess it's real. So then I asked God, what would you like me to do with that? Because I am better at a living room of women, maybe 150 in a retreat center, and we're going to go and we're going to get everybody free. I'm a real thorough person. So a million didn't excite me. I'm thinking, okay, one day at the mall in DC, like I, I just didn't have the revelation of yeah. what this could do, the magnitude of it, based on where I've been and what I've seen. And so um, I said, what can I do? What can I do? I, I need to do something with this now that it's out. And the Lord said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to plant or establish prayer hubs. And that's what he told me to call it, like prayer chapters, you know. And he just said, let's do Matthew 18, 19 through 20. 
where two or more gather, there I am in the midst of them, and whatever they agree upon, I'm going to do it. And he said, let's start praying for America. But because um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prayer closet girl, I'm a secret place girl. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Or let's get 150, 500 people together. And it's like he aimed me in this new space where it was yeah. like, let's start focusing on the small ecclesia. And I thought, okay, that's actually great because that's actually where I got discipled was in a living room of, you know, six or eight girls. That's where I got yeah. discipled. So that excited me and it was something I could do. <laughs> yeah. I needed something to do. So that's what we did. We started these prayer hubs today. Um, to date, we have... It actually took us about a year to establish how we wanted to launch it. And then we launched it at our national gathering in 2022. And so it's been about a year, a little over a year and a half. And we have about 2,100 prayer hubs that are established all over the 50 states. Literally established meeting. And what's the description of that? What does one hub do and when do they do it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I asked the Lord for this because I can be kind of extreme and I don't want to put too much on people. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if it was my, if I had a highway. I'm beginning to pick up that you're very driven it, once you know what yeah. you're supposed to do because you couldn't have done this unless you were, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, yeah, for sure. So when it comes to prayer, I'm thinking, man, we need to meet every week, you know, once a week. But the Lord said, let's, let's give people an on-ramp and make this, palatable so that the person who's never been in a prayer group can say yes to this. So he, I, mm. I like to work with them on these things. So I don't just jump in my flesh. Right. Yeah. Right. So I try, I've not always done that perfectly, but um, anyway, so he said once a month for one hour. And then he said, I want the children to be the main focus of these Whoa. prayer hubs. Really? So what we did is we wrote up, I say we, because I have a council of women and we wrote up 30 prayers and we actually write them word for word because what we found is a lot of women, because we want our neighbor to come over. Yeah. You know, we want not just people who are, you know, elite intercessors, but we want everybody praying. The whole goal of this is to get a million people praying. Right. So that, that means that we can't just go to the, you know, to the lady that we always know will pray for us. We've got to figure out how to get the voices of women in prayer. And I knew that that had to be what we were doing. So we write the prayers and we just tell people, if you need to read it straight off, there you go. You know, no need to be intimidated. Just read it. This then, is what they're reading. Are they reading this when they're all together or in their private time between these meetings? Um, well, the, what we ask them to do is to come together in a living room, a kitchen, a workplace, a, you know, park, whatever, and come together. And everybody in the prayer hub, we actually ask people to please branch off once you get to 10 people, because what we're doing is wanting to get out of audience mode. Yeah. And when you hit about eight, nine, 10, you know, Molly in the corner can not say anything for a whole hour. And, you know, there she goes out the door and she never prayed. The point is that it's all hands on deck. It's all voices on deck. It's all prayer That's on deck. Good. Really good. So we do ask people to consider that. So we have hubs that have now birthed hubs. And 
then we give them plenty of space like you pray for each other at the end the 30th prayer is actually receiving communion together pleading the blood of jesus they pray over each other but what we're praying for is the nation we're praying for their local pastors we're praying for the local schools we're praying for um the government on a federal level we're praying really the seven mountains for the economy yeah. in the area these things and i'm um, just getting down to the nitty-gritty on america because you know like lou has said and I believe it, this is the last stand for America. And so we. So the first strategy God gave me was to fight this thing in the air, which makes sense to me, it's prayer, right? I, yeah. I understand this. So we're gonna fight this thing in the air, but on a reformation piece, he brought the next thing in, which is really interesting. So anyway, we've established these prayer hubs. The kids have um, their own version that is, a guide for kids seven and under seven to 11 and we have coloring sheets that we upload every single month because what we want the kids we want moms to get their kids and dads to get their kids in you know the coffee table scribbling and coloring they've got to get inside prayer because we need to protect our kids we need to defend our kids but we have got to train them prayer mm -hmm. has to come into the centerpiece of a person's life and you know i've i've ministered to so many people you know 32 years old their marriage is under massive stress and they don't have a prayer life come to find out when you ask enough questions because they yeah. really don't understand how to pray so our heart is to recover the family through prayer hubs um it was just prophesied a week ago that we would our first goal would be 300,000 prayer hubs and so we're just we're just going and, for it. And you're and you're at how many right now again? What what's that number? Twenty one hundred. Twenty one hundred. Twenty one hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And just getting like, started. These are kind of like logged in names and uh, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's a uh -huh. lot. So, yeah. So they can go to hervoicemovement.com and what happens is it's and it's free. I tell people if you want to take this and run with this with your church, I mean it's white labeled. There's no reason that somebody has to give us credit. We don't care. <laughs> you know. I mean, I really don't care about that. What I do care about is that people feel like they have some type of structure so that they can yeah. run with it and then have communication. So we do have an app that we invite every prayer hub into and inside the app, they make a prayer hub in the app for themselves and then okay. we send prayers out for their state we can we can we can find them like we can say hey like the other day there was something for michigan hey the state of michigan right now has a incredibly awful bill on the table here's a phone number to call here's a prayer to pray and in the app they click if they prayed and so we're we're doing our part our best yeah. you know yeah. it's, it's a little piece but we're doing our piece to get out to all 50 states to get prayer going. So when people hear a million at the mall, what I really want them to hear is that God is building a prayer movement. Yeah. And yeah. then there's going to be a convergence in a divine right. almost, moment at the mall. It's, it's almost like the mall thing is the cherry on top. It's the celebration. It's the finally the grand yeah. almost, you know, finale, but the work's being done all year long is what but I'm yeah 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 that's where it's happening i don't mean yeah I, I i'm not minimizing the event itself because that's going to be so powerful because you've got people they're sort of like by the time they arrive there their their family because they're all part of this thing hub 
talk about for a few minutes about uh, you and Lou. How did you two get hooked up? Yeah. And how are you dovetailing what you do versus what he does to make this happen? Sure. Is this yeah. your event that he's coming alongside? Is he is part of, did God speak to him first about a mere million women? Tell, talk about how this all came together. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, keeping in mind that God told me in my bedroom by myself, which was right. super scary, a million, but it was important because later on, all of a sudden I would meet people who also were carrying that. So somebody came to me and said, Jenny, did you know that Lou is carrying a, a, a million on the mall? He's carrying that in his heart. And I said, are you serious? Like, I was so glad to hear that. <laughs> I nice. mean, oh gosh, thank you, Jesus, you know? And so um, somebody was like, yeah, you should call him. I'm thinking, eh, I have a feeling that Lou Ingalls doesn't pick up a spot. Um, I'd never met him before, wasn't connected, but we got divinely connected um, pretty quick. And so him and I started talking. Um, he found out I was carrying this. Then we find out that, you know, Christy Johnston has had a dream of a million on the mall. Then we're getting emails from people. I had a dream there was a million women on the mall. And so, whew, wow. you know, it's like, all right, Lord, you got this, you know. So it's been really encouraging um, because this is God's dream. Now, what Lou and I decided to do was spearhead this together with a an organic movement okay remember those were organic but a yeah. grassroots movement and so it's really it's not about her voice that's our ministry and it's not all just about lingual ministries this is a net i i i see that her voice you know we have a net that could you know pick up a fish or two or some minnows but by ourselves we cannot capture a billion soul harvest yeah. you know same with lingual ministries same with any ministry and i i feel so excited about God bringing many of us together and tying a knot and creating a net, multiple ministries, organizations, businesses, people, you know, the girl that just has a Bible study, that's 20 people and they're on fire, yeah. like tie your net to, you know, tie your knot to this thing. So that's what's happening. So there's a, there's a separate entity and the day of the million is called a million voices. And that entity right there, we are inviting any organization, any person to hitch their hitch your wagon to it and let's roll, you know, and really share the message from their own mouth. That's my dream yeah. is that this would take on a grassroots type of format where you all of a sudden can't figure out where this came from because it's people that are uprising. I will say this. This is really important for this show to share. Um, after Lou and I were connected and then we were, you know, talking through this, praying through this, did a couple events together. Um, he pushed go and I know you had him on, on your show, but it was April 14th. He said the Lord encountered him on that airplane on the way to Pasadena and he's, you know, crying and God got a hold of him and said, Lou, it's time. You can't wait. You don't have it tomorrow. So he pushes go. I was actually in the room for that. I was, I was, I was shaking. Really? I, I was just in my seat, just shaking. And other people in the room, you could feel heaven drop. It was like he pulled the trap door of heaven and my here goodness. it came. Here it came. And it was it was amazing. But after that, that was April of 2023. Then in June, we get on this Zoom. And Lance Walnow was on there, Lou, and a couple other people. And this gentleman named Christian Rosas, it'd be really fun to have you interview him maybe, oh. um, but he's from, he's from Lima, Peru. 
Okay. Him and his sister in 2016, they're pastor's kids and they're probably, you know, late twenties at the time. But what happened was the climate in Peru was so severe for the gender ideology and people were losing their children by the droves. And the law even said, if you call somebody the pronoun they don't want, like I I can't call somebody a pronoun that's not their biological because I can't agree with what God doesn't agree with. That's just a personal conviction I have. But if I was in Peru, I'm going to prison for that. That at that time. And that's exactly where we're headed, Steve. I am not a doom and gloom girl. I have tons of hope in my heart for where America's headed. But if the church doesn't take what we believe and take our prayers and then take our truth into the streets, I think that we're going to be in a place where we are going to look back and say, we missed it. We, we missed it. And so what I learned from these guys is they started a movement called Don't Mess With Our Kids. Don't mess with so our I'm, kids. Don't mess with our kids. And I'm, I'm watching the Zoom and everything inside of me just goes, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And I'm a mother, so it's easy for me to say don't mess with our kids. You know, I don't need to be Christian about it when someone's messing with my kids. I don't yeah. need to be all, you know, Christian polite over any of that. It's like, don't mess with my kids. <laughs> like, that's my job as a mama bear is to protect my children. And so anyway, this was what's so exciting is they were able to oust the prime minister, oust the education minister. George Soros pulled out all of his funding, 100% of his funding, because his money wouldn't persuade the government anymore. Why? Because what happened was this. They set up a date on the calendar to meet in Lima, Peru, just like we're doing in DC, setting up a date. But everything came caving in so quickly in those months that people started meeting in the streets all over the country of Peru by the millions. Really? Yep, and it wasn't just Christians. It was people who love family and were done with it. They were tired of this. And we know as Christians, it's a spirit. So we're saying to the spirit realm, don't mess with our kids, right? We're saying that with authority. But for other people that might not feel like they belong in the church or they feel like you have to be extra spiritual to, you know, come do something with us. They're like, oh, I love my family. So they just called anybody in their nation was pro-family. And what happened was because of multiple, multiple, multiple meetings in the streets and these people just went to the streets, they had the flag. There's a flag that's blue on the left, pink on the right, says don't mess with our kids in Spanish. But the pink, yeah, there you go. The blue on the left means God made male and the pink is God made female. And they call it their family flag. And they say, we're not veering from this. This is the truth. And we're going to do it with a smile on our face. And nobody was violent. There wasn't any type of bitterness. You know, that always hurts us if we go on a type of anger. We're actually going in love, but we're saying we're not budging. We're not budging from the truth for which we've laid our lives down for. And so, um, Yep, there's all of us in DC, big group of us, but don't mess with our kids. And this is where the mama bear, I know that Cindy Jacobs and many others have been sensing prophetically the mama bear movement. My daughter's name is Esther, and um, she had a dream of all these bears, polar bears, panda bears, koala bears, black bears, um, all these bears coming to one place with their cubs. So she has all these really cool dreams. Her name is Esther, so God gives her a lot of cool dreams for the movement. But This is what God wants to do. He wants us 
to do what Esther did. What did Esther do? Well, she gave Mordecai some excuses. Let's just start there. You know, she did give some excuses. Um, she and, and her excuses to her were valid, right? Like, I can't go before the king. You know, I'm so sorry. I can't go before him because that's illegal. Well, we got a taste of that in 2020 and 21. It's yeah, too, it's did. illegal. We can't do that. We sure did. And so she responded the way I responded the first time COVID came around. Oh, I can't do that. It's illegal, you know? So Mordecai, thank God for Mordecai. And this is where the men come into the movement. I have seen the women are the arrow. The bow is the man. It's the Mordecai. And the pullback is the prayer and fasting. That's the, oh, wow. that's the charge forward. But we're not going to get very far as women without the men, without people like yourself, Steve, coming and girding this up and shooting yeah. this out with authority. And women, they do better when a man comes to them and says, I believe in you. It is your hour. You must speak. We, we do really well with that. That's so that's good. what God's going to have the men do on a large scale. So this is an Esther Mordecai movement. But I do have to say that I was shocked when I went back and read the book of Esther and saw some things that I did not notice before. But one of them was when Mordecai came to Esther and said, hey, listen, I know you, you know, this is illegal and all that. But Esther, do not think that just because you are in your palace that you're going to escape the destruction of the Jews. Basically, what he was saying was, Esther, you're already dead. And so I always thought that wow. Esther said, if I die, I die. And she was so noble. I think she said it out of logic. I think she went, okay, hold on a minute. So if I go before the king, I could die. If I don't go before the king, I'll definitely die. So if I go before the king and die, I die. Like if I die, I die, right? I think she was looking at the situation and took her best option which was yeah. you have a living chance, you have a fighting chance if you go before the king. And I think that the, the church is teed up right now on Esther 413. I think it's like, hey, where America's headed and a lot of people are like, well, you know, I'm so busy, you know, hopefully this whole thing works out. This is not an attempt to build a ministry. I want everybody to understand that. I don't even want to build a ministry. Let's just start there. Yeah. I want to I make sure that my kids and my grandkids don't get a country that has lost its freedoms. I am extremely on high alert over that. And I want to demonstrate to my children, I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that this nation turns back to God and I'm gonna do my part. I can't do much you know, in and of myself, but I think collectively, I think collectively the enemy's in trouble if we will step in and do this. Yeah. So. Yeah. So don't mess with our kids. That is the war cry for the woman. It's not the name of the entity by any means, but you can go to don't mess with our kids.us and you can see more there. Um, there is a little video. I don't know if you guys want to play maybe 30 seconds of it, but of Peru, sure. it's oh, pretty inspiring. Excuse me. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and play that. Okay. I think I saw a piece of that. Go ahead.
good. And then the pink and the blue um, flag, I mean, that's, is that showing up over here in the U.S. or is that only over there at this point? That, the flag uh, we, that yeah, we officially launched it here. Christian Rose has asked us on the Zoom. He said, you know, America, are you ready to do something about this? Because this thing, like Jeremiah 9 says, death has climbed through your windows. You will be in a situation where the churches will not be able to sexually disciple people you will not be able to talk about transgender you will not be able to take a stand as a minister of the gospel you will not you will not have the freedoms you have and he said trust me this thing is going is coming after you guys are you ready to do something about it and then he said if you will use this flag and the colors they, they that was one of the things they really wanted us to use and i i, I loved it and said yeah. I, I you know i'm going to pray about this and we're going to yeah. talk to lou and some other people but um you might have noticed in the corner of that video it spilled out to the neighboring countries. So, you know, it really? went to these other countries. Yeah. And some countries kind of half-heartedly, you know, kind of went whatever, and they were not able to change the country around the way that Peru did. Um, so, uh, you know, what we have to do here is we can't poke this thing with a stick and say, well, I hope some brave people go. Um, but we, we have some, we have just a couple things for people to do to engage. I don't know if you want me to share that right now. Yeah, I know that we're at the do. top of the hour. Yeah, go, okay. Go for it. Okay, perfect. So we've pretty much told you exactly about a, a prayer hub. That's at hervoicemovement.com. That's number one. These are the ways that you can engage. The second one I haven't mentioned yet, but this is called the Esther Network. If you go to my Instagram at Jenny L. Donnelly, you go in there and you hit subscribe. What we're doing is we're taking all the proceeds from an Instagram prescription subscription. I'm calling it a subscription because we're taking all the proceeds and putting that into the event at the mall. So yeah. that's a way for people to sew. But inside of that, we pray six days a week with women all over the nation. We have um, Krista Smith, we have Christy Johnston, we have Elizabeth Johnston and De Havilland Ford and all these women are building a net for the Esters and we pray every single day and um, post a prayer. So that's a really big deal for us to be going one year in advance. This is our preparation as Esther's one year in advance. I just see the bowls of heaven tipping by the time we get to the elections. So this is starting um, November 6th and people can jump in anytime, of course. And then number three, attend a freedom tour. I didn't talk about this, but you can go check this out. This is us going all around the nation and um, ministering to women in these encounter moments. And so we have four cities in January, February, and March. We'll be in LA, Houston, Des Moines, and Naples, Florida. And then the fourth one there is to stand in your state capital. I wanted to make sure I got to this one, Steve. This is huge. Yeah. So yeah. every single capital on 413, guess how we picked that? Esther 413. And Esther, what, what does that specific verse say, Esther 413? It says, um, it was Mordecai's response to Esther, do not think okay. that um, the palace will save you from the destruction of the Jews. Yeah. Basically, Esther, you're dead too. <laughs> yeah. wow. this, is, this, is, this is our wake-up call. This is us saying we can have an excuse or we can have a chance to turn this thing around. So this is our tipping moment right here. And so what Lou and I prayed about and we felt this strongly is that we need to meet inside of our states with our, yeah. with our authority that each of us hold in our state. Everybody on here, whatever state you have your driver's license in and you're resident of, you hold a certain measure of authority in your state. Yeah. Don't diminish 
the standing on your lawn on 413 at the Capitol, because when you stand there, trust me, there is a, it's like oil, right? Like you have, you are standing there in authority and all darkness is pushing back and we're going to pray. We're going to take communion. We're going to repent and we're going to come before God and Yep, we'll be right there in Salem for yeah. Oregon and all all fifty oh, states. That's good. I'll be there on that day. Yeah. April. Oh, you sure will be. That's gonna be yep. amazing. That's gonna yep. be Yep, and then we'll have some reformation strategies. I'm I am feeling like, and I'm gonna turn this right back over to you, Steve. I'm feeling like God might be mobilizing, although we're mobilizing a million to them all, I think he's mobilizing uh, millions of people into the school board into running for office. He's mobilizing wow. the church into the spheres of culture where decisions are made. Yeah. You know, I, I believe that, and there's a billion soul harvest attached to this. Now it's going to make more sense when we look back, but I just get this sense that this is that God is not just putting an event on the calendar. This is a, this is a grassroots, you know, and I just, I pray that people watching this, that you will prayerfully go before God and you will say, God, how do you want me, my influence, the organization you've given me, the family you've given me, the business you've given me? How, how would you like me to, to connect with this thing and build a bigger net? Because the billions of harvest is going to need a big net. (laughs) We have to have a giant container to hold this. And it's not going to be a single ministry or two. It's going to be all of us together in the spirit of unity. Um, lastly, I'll say this is way back when, before all this unraveled and God told me the million and I saw Portland just going down the tubes, I just said, God, I cannot sit back. I, I just can't do that. I, I, I'm, this is, you said in Genesis one twenty eight to fill the earth and govern it. And I don't see a footnote that says, except for after five o'clock in Portland, because it's too dangerous. I just, yeah, I couldn't yeah. stand the thought that I would not be used to subdue the evil on the earth. And I just believe my Bible. And I just said, God, if, if I'm going to take this word seriously, put me in the fight. Well, that was a pretty dangerous prayer because here we are. But the last thing I wanted to share was I asked God, I said, what's it going to take to form this net? Like, I know that we're all, we have all our things, we have our businesses and our, all the blessings and assignments God gives us, but God, what is it going to take really truly for us to say, well, here we go. Let's do this together. Come on, come on, gang. This isn't about one ministry. This is about the body moving globally here. And he said this to me, Steve, and this is what wakes me up in the morning early and it keeps me up at night. He said, the church will unite and fight when they take your kids. When they take your kids? When they take your kids. That's what he said to me. And I heard it and it sunk like a lead into the gut of my being. And um, when he said it back in 2020, I didn't know what he was talking about, but now I'm seeing what he means that these kids, you know, I have a friend who does, um, you know, cases in California, they have a law firm, they do pro bono cases. And he just told me one the other day, I had him on my podcast that they, they're, they're fighting CPS. CPS is showing up at people's doors because these families are being turned in for not being pro LGBTQ even when the kids have not expressed the desire to transgender. And so um, we, we've got it. We, we have to stand. Yeah. We have to pray fast and stand in this hour and see, we can't let this go any further. I, I'm so yeah. serious. And so yeah. there's been prophetic dreams and some things, but um, 
Yeah, we're up to wow. protect well, we'll and train our we'll children have in the back, family. Sir, we'll have you back a number of times, the Lord willing, as we get further along and we'll just tell mm-hmm. people how far, how we're doing and you can give us a report and tell us what else we can be doing. To But you know, I'm with you on this. I'm definitely going to be there on 413 for sure. And hopefully, you know, because we're both Oregonians, we'll have this uh, bully pulpit as it were to you know, call the Oregonians and you've got many other places you're showing up, I'm sure, to talk about this. But let's let's yes, let's you. put Oregon back on the map for a good reason. I'm so tired of Oregon being on the map for the wrong reasons, that they're the ones that let their cities burn. They're the ones that, that never elect a conservative. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that steal every election. You know, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm done with that. So, Me too. Me too. You know, and we can change it. The church can change it. Yeah. Listen, would you uh, go ahead and pray for the people? A bunch of them have watched and they're very motivated. Just pray into that, if you will. Absolutely. Father God, we are so grateful that you are calling us into our battle gear. And we are warriors and we were born at this time for this battle. And I see victory on the horizon. I see hope on the horizon. I see children getting rescued out of a yes. an identity theft god i see families coming back together i actually see right now prophetically that the rate of divorce is going to reverse that's yes, what i'm Lord. seeing and i ask you father that you would speak to every single person and give them just like you did me you mm. whispered into my spirit yes, you gave Lord. me my part to play You gave me my piece of the puzzle of the billion soul harvest. You gave me my piece to play. And I've been so alive, so alive, God, since you told me that. So, God, I ask you that if there's any soldier under the sound of my voice that's wandering, maybe feeling like, I don't even know my purpose. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I love Jesus, but I don't have my place. God, would you give them their assignment, like a general handing the soldier the, the assignment and load them up? load them up even i'm seeing like in this military thing like hey we're gonna go in we're gonna prayer strike here we're gonna go here we're gonna do this you're getting your orders from the general and so lord i thank you that you are giving every one of us eyes to see what's actually going on and we will not look at the culture of the world and agree with any of it god we will only look at the kingdom of heaven and say come come to earth come God, use us to do it. We stand before you needing bravery. We need you to give us boldness. But God, we repent for even being passive or wimpy or complaining or just acting like we don't know how to fight God. Lord, we repent for that and we sign in for duty. And we say, thank you, God, because we are not alone. We don't go by our own power or our own might, but by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Jenny, thanks so much. We're going to have you back uh, a bunch of times if it's, uh, like I said, the Lord willing, we're going to make that happen. So I appreciate it very much. Um, Thanks. Have a great weekend, Jenny. And a quick reminder that Johnny will be with us on Monday, so don't miss that. We're going to talk some about uh, some of the stuff that's hitting the fan. He's got some really good words of wisdom on all of that. You're going to want to be part of that. Lots of revelation there, too. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. 
For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.